The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman had a powerful start in life by being raised by two successful parent role models, but they were only the beginning of her journey to greatness. As a young woman, she decided to play big in the business world and was not afraid to go against the norm to achieve her goals. And before she knew it, she was deemed a trailblazer in male-dominated business spaces like the automotive industry. But with each male-dominated arena she navigated, she learned a hard fact. The world owed her nothing, and success would only be hers if she was willing to fight for it. It is my pleasure to introduce Lisa Copeland. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Annette. Thank you so much. Wow, what a beautiful introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you're a beautiful woman that we're going to discover more about today. So in the essence of time, let's get right to the story of Lisa. You are a tough and strong woman, but I also know you are a woman of heart who cares deeply about others. Tell me how you have successfully balanced your tough and strong leadership style with your emotional heart side and what pitfalls other women leaders need to avoid if they strive for this same balance. My goodness. Wow. I don't know that I've ever had a question like that before. (laughs) Um, So I think one of the things I would say is that I'm really careful not to mix business and personal. And I think that is, you know, business is business. And I think we, as women, especially as women leaders, that we have got to be able to go out with a very strong front. That doesn't mean that we don't care and love about the people that we lead, but, you know, we have to still be the leader and we still have to be the one to set the rules. So as I had told you in another conversation we had had, you know, I was in the automotive industry for many years, but my closest inner circle of girlfriends, none of them were in the automotive industry. So I was very successful in stepping out when I was done at the end of the day and stepping into my life with my family and my friends. And I really tried to keep them separate because I think that you can become over-consumed with either work, with work. And especially when you're in a tough industry like I was, a male-dominated industry, like I had to really learn how to separate um, my personal feelings and my my business feelings and just be able to compartmentalize the day, which was usually pretty tough, and then come home and be the wife, the mom, and the friend that I know that I was, that, that I want to be, not just that I was born to be, but that I want to be. Excellent. And and one of the things that I often tell people about that, because you use the great word compartmentalizing, is that I view it almost as a... Um, a house. And so when you go to work, you're in one room and you're in that room. You're not worrying about what's in the other rooms. When you come out, you close that door. Now, when you're at home with the children or the husband, now you're in that space. And it seems like that um, men are able to do that pretty well for the most part, but women struggle a bit. I'll tell you, as somebody who, a mentor of mine for many, many years, you know, that's what he taught me was to compartmentalize. And you're, I agree with you 1 million percent because women, you know, we, we work much more from an emotional standpoint and not like, oh, you're emotional, but just from the standpoint are, you know, that we are caring, loving beings. And so, you know, to really go to the top, especially in a male dominated industry, compartmentalization is the key. And again, I wasn't born that way, but I was taught that at an early uh, point in my career. And I'm forever grateful because I think that's what kept me going to the top. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. So one thing that I've heard you say many times, and I'll quote you, there is no crying in baseball. 
<laughs> so tell me what this statement means to you and how other women can use this as a tool to their success. Again, women were emotional. And I cannot tell you how many times that I, I've been in a very, very tough uh, situation. And, you know, and I have to tell myself like this is, you know, or, or somebody has come at me pretty strong and I've got to tell myself over and over in my head, you know, this, this is not personal. This is business. And as women, you know, we're, we are caretakers and, you know, and it, and, and we, we naturally want to reach out and take care of our friends and our family and, um, and, and everybody in our universe, but in business, you know, you've got to understand that, especially, and again, I, I can really speak to the male dominated industries, just like the automotive industry. I had to be able to set aside my feelings. I had to be able to take the criticism. I had to be able to take the tough knocks. And um, do not think there were many times that I walked out of a meeting that I did not want to go cry in the bathroom. And when I was younger, I used to, you know, I, I would never cry. I never cried in a meeting, but boy, I'd walk in the bathroom and just fall apart. And so as I brought up younger women, and teaching them to lead and bringing them through this male-dominated industry, I would tell them when they would get kind of upset when I would tell them something or whatever, and I could see it rising up in them, I would say, there's no crying in baseball and there's no crying in my office. Now, if you're going to go do that, head out. And I was only giving them the advice that I gave myself every single day when I was young and coming up through the ranks, and I felt exactly like they did. And and I that is such incredible advice. I used to go and kick. I had a trash can someplace outside the office, and I would go kick that trash can. Oh. Crying, that poor yeah. trash can was dented all to pieces. But I'm telling you, I mean, it's almost like you know, you have to have that emotional release. And I think as women, I think we have to have that. And you know, I mean, I have known some women that'll just like laugh hysterically when they're upset, or they'll cry, or they'll get choked up. But you know, as women, like you know, we're we're pretty easy to read, and that's just a skill that I've really tried to hone in myself, which I tie a little bit and quite a bit to emotional intelligence. And just a skill that I think as women leaders that we need to learn because I'm the kind of person, if you hurt my friend or you hurt somebody I love, like I'm going to get upset. And so really learning how to rein in your emotions and your feelings um, when you're in a business setting and things get tough because that's where the men go out and they say, oh, she's emotional. Oh, she's emotional. We, you know, we can't deal with her and it's because they can't handle watching a woman get upset or, you know, get highly charged or tears in their eyes. Like it upsets them. So, you know, we, you know, we have to kind of level the playing field a little bit. And that means we have to get a hold of what comes naturally to us, right? Which is the nurture, which is the caring um, when we're in these highly charged situations. So let me ask you this before we leave this subject. Is Mm -hmm. there anything that you have found, especially in those early years or even that you teach young women now, when they have that urge to cry and they can't leave the room because they're in the middle of a meeting, is there any little trick? Do they click a rubber band on their wrist or, or, you know, or is there anything that you have done yourself or that you've seen other women do? You know, I think the first thing I would say is just pause right? Let's say you're in a highly charged situation with somebody who is your uh, superior, you know, your boss or whatever, and, and you can feel yourself getting upset, you know, and I've done this over the years. I just pause. I say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I'd like to pause this conversation for right now. I'd like to come back to it. I've got some thoughts that I'd like to think through. And then I'd like to come back to you for a second round of this conversation. And I, I've never really had anybody tell me, no, I want to continue fighting with you about this right now or no, da, 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 da. And I've literally used the word, can we just pause for right now? I'd like to go collect my thoughts 
and I'd like to come back to you with a solution or I'd like to come back with you uh, with some more information or whatever it may be. And so I just, I, I think it's the pause. I think it's just, let's pause for now. And I will tell you the person, whether it's a man or a woman, typically, unless you're dealing with a complete narcissist, is almost, is just as grateful for that pause also. Because it's just better that, you know, that we, that we all collect our wits about us and come back from a, pay, uh, from a place of emotional intelligence versus just keeping going and keeping going and keeping going. And, you know, and, and I learned that later in life. When I was in my 20s and in early 30s in the car business, you know, these guys were just brutal, you know, and they would just, they would just tear me apart. And I just didn't have the courage back then to say, hey, pause. Okay, let's just let, you know, we need to table this right now. I don't agree. We have to agree to disagree. I want to table this conversation and I'd like to get back together this afternoon because I'd like to either give you more information about it or I'd like to do my research or whatever it is, you know, that you're going to use as that pivot part as part of the conversation. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and I had that and when I was in my 20s and 30s also, Lisa, I, um, I probably had the courage, but I didn't have the wisdom. And there was and there was nobody behind me coaching me saying, "Okay, gal, when you run into this, this is what you do. And if I had had that gift, I think I could have I was smart enough and probably courageous enough to tackle it. But it just if you don't know, it's kind of like anything. Once you know. Now you you can deal with it. Right. Exactly. No, you know, I agree with you. You know, nobody ever taught me any of those skills either. And those were just things I learned as I got older. I learned it by being a parent, knowing that, you know, to have a scream out with a toddler is absolutely ridiculous, <laughs> right? You know, or, 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 when, or when your toddler, your child is having a meltdown, that is not the time to engage them to try to get them to do what you want them to do. It's pause. We're going to both sit this thing out for a few minutes and then we're going to come back and mommy's going to have a conversation with you. And it really, if, if you take that same thought process into business, it, it's a winning strategy. I can tell you that right now. It is. And it also, for those of you listening, one of the most important thing a pause does, it allows you not only to get control of your emotions, but it allows you to breathe. Yes. And once you breathe, take some nice deep breaths, you will find your emotions calm and you will not be so hyphened and you will not be reactionary as opposed to intelligent. Yeah. And I will tell you, you will, you will gain a lot of respect from everybody in the room if that's what you do. And so at some point when they're looking for that new leader, they're looking for that person to maybe replace the person that you're (laughs) getting into it with, you know, people will remember that people will remember when, when you are the one to pause a heated conversation with respect walk away, tell them that it's time for everybody to regroup and we will visit this again. Like it will be remembered. And and I've got many examples of that, that I've been told over the years that it was remembered when I was the one who said, stop. Right. And, 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 and stop doesn't mean weakness and pause doesn't mean weakness. Pause doesn't mean, Hey, you're right. I'm wrong. And I'm going to go cry. So I've got to get out of here. It's just pause. Like, Hey, like we just, you know, I have more information. Like this is, you know, we just, you know, we need to come back to this. I'll see you back here in 30 minutes. Does that work for you? Anything, anything to get, to remove yourself calmly from the room, from the situation, come back, you're cool, you're collected, you know, you've had a chance to kind of process what happened in the conversation, maybe do a little more research, maybe figure out exactly what angle you want to take and then come back strong and resolved because by then the emotion's gone, right? You're done. You're probably just mad. Like that's, that's how I get, I would just come back and I'm like, oh yeah, mm -mm, he's not doing that to me. Mm Mm-mm. But it took me 30 minutes to, you know, or an hour to gather my thoughts and my strategy and then come back, you know, as the winner, usually. And have that self-talk. Sure. And that different Absolutely. perspective. 
Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Excellent, excellent, excellent topic for women to listen to and take in this advice that Lisa just delivers. So Lisa, one thing that has contributed to your success is that you are not afraid to ask to be at the table of business. Right. So many women are afraid to do this. Has there been a time where you had to personally overcome this fear of asking? And what can you share with other women how they might move past this fear as well? Oh my gosh, you just your questions are amazing. So I will tell you all a story that's that's really a story that defined me. So in 2012, when my my young sales millennial sales team broke the world sales record, part of I'd made a bet, and part of the bet was that I wanted to meet the chairman of Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, and Maserati worldwide. And his name was Sergio Marchionne. He was a personal hero of mine. So my team breaks the record. So I had the privilege of leading the greatest team in the country. And then my my team breaks the record, and I acquire or I have the meeting with Mr. Marchione. And when he and I have a private meeting, you know, we, we talk about, you know, some things. And he said, what are some of your goals? And I told him, and I said, one of my goals is that I would be on the board, which there was 18 of us that led 30, um, I think 3,100 dealers. And so we were really the senators for the entire, all the franchisees and the franchises that I just mentioned. And I said, you know, and, and there are no women on that board and I'd love to have that spot. And I feel like I've earned it, sir. And he said, I agree with you. Boom, done. The deal's done. I get on the board. And, uh, you know, we, we, had, we had to go up there every 90 days. Now, those were the best dealers in the country, right? They were, they were I mean, they were a lot bigger than me, but, but I had the same kind of accolades when it came to sales numbers. And so the long story and the short of it, I think we're at the second meeting, you know, we're going up there every 90 days and I'm kind of in awe of the room. We have all the chairmans, the chairman of the board is there, all the heads of every brand I just mentioned, 18 top guys in the, in the nation were the senators for 3,100 dealers. They're pounding us, texting us, blah, blah, we want this. And for the first two meetings, I didn't speak. Like I just sat there and I got a text from a gentleman by the name of Tim Kaniscus. And at the time he was the uh, CEO of the Fiat brand. He is now about number three at all of Fiat Chrysler automobiles. And he said, what is wrong with you? You haven't said a word. Like this is your second meeting. I just texted him back. I'm like, I don't know what I could contribute to this because I really felt like, like I knew in my heart, like, damn it, I earned my seat at this table. But in my mind and the fear was, is if I spoke up that they would judge me because they didn't want me there for various reasons. And so anyways, all of that being said, once he gave me permission to speak, which is so not me, and that's what <laughs> I want to encourage all of you out there, you know, I want you to give yourself permission to speak. But, you know, the minute he sent me that text, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Yeah. And I piped in and like I didn't shut up for four years after that. And I was a very, very strong board member and um, where I started to find a lot of the dealers around the country came to me because I was there to get business done. I was serious. I wasn't just up there to play golf and some of the other things. So. Once, once you have your seat at the table, number one, you got to ask for the seat at the table. No one's going to give it to you. And number two, once you have it, you need to maximize it. I know firsthand that it was intimidating enough to ask then to get it and then to actually believe that I was worthy to speak. And so I really tie that to this whole imposter syndrome. And uh, I'm actually going to write my third book will be about imposter syndrome, not just for women, but for men and women both. And that is just really the feeling of 
you know, I'm not good enough. Like you earned the seat, you earned the job, you got the position, whatever it may be, you won the election, whatever it is, but still not believing in your very inner soul that you earned it or that you have the right to it. And it's really interesting. And so I would just tell women out there, you know, really read books and and learn more about imposter syndrome, because I think as women, no matter how successful you are, I think every single one of us suffers from it. And also, and to add on to the the brilliance you just shared, is that be careful, ladies, because your mind will lie to you. Oh, my gosh. And in the case of the story that Lisa just shared, her mind was lying to her that Mm -hmm. she shouldn't speak up, that the men were going to think this and that and so on and so forth. In reality, let me just tell you, they did think there were things I said they didn't like. And it was very obvious. Right. But you thought it was going to kill you. Uh And you survived. Yeah. And, and, and it was the right thing to do. Right know, thing I mean, I was there for different reasons than they were. So be careful of those lies that we all tell ourselves in our mind. Absolutely. It, it's an amazing thing. So you teach a process called fears. Mm-hmm. And within this innovative process, you address the need to crush something all successful women experience at some point. This need for others' approval and to be accepted. Can you share your relationship with others' approval and how you crush it so that it doesn't derail your business ambitions? <laughs> I think you write the best questions I've, I've probably ever come across. So, yeah, fierce was all about you to be unapologetically fierce 365 days a year. And it never sleeps. Success does not sleep. And so, you know, when I'm brought into companies, so typically, you know, a company that would hire me is a fortune five, a fortune one, and the VP of sales is the one who hires me. And they bring me in to talk to their sales teams on how to get unstuck. Right. So if everyone were to look at their superpower from a consulting standpoint, that's where I get hired. And, you know, and so when I'm in there and I'm talking to salespeople, you know, majority of people are stuck. They're stuck either personally, professionally, in their spiritual life, in their health, whatever it may be. But once you come up with the mindset that you've got to be fierce, you can't do it 364 days a year because success never sleeps. And so whatever it is that you've put your mind to, you can't do it part time. And so I, I like to be sure that people don't try to bite off more than they can chew. For example, let's say, you know, you're in an organization or a company and, you know, you're kind of in the middle of the board, you know, kind of what I would call mediocre. I wrote a book about that too, but, you know, kind of mediocre middle of the board. And then you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to go be number one next year. Well, that's, that's honestly too big of a jump, right? To be fierce is to, and to be unapologetic is to say, you know what, I'm going to do better next year than I did this year. I'm, you know, I'm going to wake up an hour earlier. I'm going to prospect an hour longer. I'm going to make three more follow-up phone calls a day than I did before. But to try to jump yourself from the middle to the top, that's where you set yourself up for disappointment. And so what will happen if somebody does that, they'll go from the middle of the board down because, because then, you know, because it just, it isn't a realistic goal. I don't care who it is. I, I've never, ever gone into a sales department and worked with a sales team and told the VP of sales who hired me, hey, I'm going to get your team from 200 million to 400 million. It's not going to happen. I mean, unless there's a new product or something new, but with what we've got going on. But we can take your team up 25% this year, and then we can show them how to do this, this, and this, right? And so I just think it's about being unapologetic, and you're unapologetic in the fact is that you want to be better today than you were yesterday. You want to be, you want to have a better year next year than you're having this year. 
And, and the reason I use unapologetic is especially with women. Like we, I don't, I can't tell you how many women I know that apologize for success. I'm like, oh my gosh, you got this great promotion. I'm so proud of you. And they're like, yeah, I know. Well, that's because my, you know, like I, I, my boss retired. And I'm like, okay, stop, stop, stop. I deflect. I'm deflecting. Is, yeah. I'm like, you're crushing it. Be happy. Be proud of yourself. Own it. Walk in your power. And instead they're telling me all the reasons, you know, how, how the circumstances got them the deal. So it makes me a little crazy. <laughs> So, so it's to be unapologetic, like don't yeah. apologize for so, success. So dig into that just a second more uh, of that, that 365 and all this. I'm, I'm going to get very specific on a point. The, how do you view others' approval? How do you personally view that? Well, I mean, for do, me, do you seek it? Do you find it, it motivates you? Do you find that you deflect it? Do you find that it doesn't matter one way or the other? How does that frame into your well, I'm, I would hope, first of all, all of us want everyone to like us. Let's be real. Um, you know, I, you know, I never like to walk into a room where I know that I have a hostile crowd and, and I've walked into plenty of those rooms. Um, even, even when I'm hired sometimes, you know, I'm, 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 I'm hired to come in there and kick their rear ends into, into place and to go over sales stats and tell them it's below average when you look at their industry and blah, blah, blah. Right. So nobody wants to feel like that. What I have to work on every day, just like I think everybody else does, is to realize who I am, what I do, and what I stand for, and that I always, always, always try to come from a good place, um, no matter what I'm doing. But that doesn't mean everybody in the room is going to like me, whether not everybody in the room is going to understand what I'm saying. Uh, not everyone in the room is going to buy in to what I'm doing. So all I can do is just be true to me. And true to me is doing the best I can do for the people that are in my charge. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. One last question. Okay. You have been a contributor to Fox Business, MSNBC, have written two books, have served on advisory boards, and this is just the short list. <laughs> and you have done all of this while being a mother of feats so many women struggle to pull off. What was your secret? Uh, I have a wonderful husband that I've been married to for 32 years. In fact, today's his birthday. Um, and he helped very much with our kids. I could have never done it alone. So for you moms out there that are trying to do it alone, give yourself some grace and give yourself some mercy because um, this was a double job getting me to where I was today and, and him supporting me and being and truly, truly, truly co-parenting the kids as they were young. So my kids today are 29 and 31, but um, that journey started for me when they were very young and they were toddlers. And he just always supported my career and my ambition. And I know that I'm probably in like this much of the world um, having that kind of support. So, you know, I would just tell you ladies, do what you can do, but don't let ambition uh, steal your joy. Don't let ambition steal those moments with your kids because you will never get them back. And I'm lucky enough to have two grandkids and one on the way who I just, you know, I, I laugh. I'm like, I tell my daughter all the time. I'm like, I like my grandkids better than I like my own kids. And I'm pretty <laughs> obsessed with my kids. And she's like, I know. And they know you do too. Um, but that being said, you know, I mean, we just, you know, you, you just don't know. I, I think the older you get, I think when you start losing friends and you start seeing bad things happen to good people, you realize sometimes, you know, that, that fighting and clawing to get to the top and worrying about, you know, coming home and laying awake all night and worrying about the six people in the room that hated you or the snarky comment you heard about yourself as you're walking past the water cooler, let it go. 
Let it go. Be true to you and be, and, and be true to the ones you love and compartmentalize that day and then leave it there. And then you'll have to come back tomorrow and fight the fight again. But but don't let it steal your joy. Boy, that would just be the one thing I would tell the, my young friends and followers as they're coming up. Because there were many days that, that I let hurt or pride or... Um, whatever, steal my, my, my joy. And even if, even if it stole my joy for one night or I, you know, that's, that's, that's one night out of my life that I shouldn't have given up. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. I think it's great advice. And, and, and in that, I'm going to circle all of you listening back to something that Lisa and I talked about very early in this interview. And that is learn to ask her husband, made a good partner for her because she learned how to ask him for help. She didn't get mad, I suspect, when he didn't do something because he didn't know. So yeah. learn how to ask and and be have the courage to say, I need your help with this. Can you pick up the kids here? Can you do this? Can you have dinner? Can you pack lunches? Yeah. Don't, don't feel like you have to do it all, which we as driven women often feel like we have to drive all parts of the train and guess what? Yeah, and, and I agree with that. I think that there's times that, that we, that we don't want to relinquish control. Mm-hmm. And so we feel like if, um, you know, that whole wonder woman thing that oh, if, yeah. uh, that if we can't get up in the morning, get our kids to school, make their lunches, be on the PTA, do this, do that, do that, then that we are uh, less than. And so I do know of husbands who have said, I just wish sometimes she'd ask, or when the husband tries to step in, she's like, get out of my way. I got this. Right. right. I was exactly the opposite. I'm like, Hey, I need you to take the kids. I got this. I've got that. And, you know, and luckily, you know, he's, you know, he's self-employed. And so, you know, he had some freedom to do that. So it, it isn't for everybody, but it, and let's just say it's not a spouse. Let's say it's a parent or a friend or somebody like or a sibling, know, a sibling, anybody, a cousin, child. be an older yeah. child in the house, anything. Right. I mean, the whole wonder woman thing is, is, is great for, for the movies. But it's not real life. <laughs> it's exhausting in real life. It's it exhausting is. in real life. And it steals your joy. And I just want anybody who's listening to me right now, don't let anything steal your joy because you know nobody's promised tomorrow. Well, they're not. So Lisa, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women listening? Oh gosh. Um well, first of all, thank you for the journey to greatness. I appreciate that. Uh, most most days, it did not feel like that. I'm sure. I just I just felt like I was fighting the good fight. Um, no, I, I just you know just just keep things in perspective. Really, keep things in perspective. You know, if for some reason that that job doesn't work out, or you have to reorganize a company, or you decide to shut down a company, or, or many other things in your entrepreneurial walk or in your business walk, it doesn't define you. And I guess the last thing I would say to that is that your legacy is not your end of life story, but it's your everyday story. And so the good thing about that, the good thing about what happens in between the dash of your legacy is that you can change it, redefine it, pivot it, do whatever you want to do. Tomorrow's a new day and do not let yesterday define you. And but, but, but do not make the same mistake twice. Learn, <laughs> learn, learn from, from your mistakes. <laughs> learn from your mistakes. I will judge you if you keep doing the same thing over and over again. I have a I have a pad of paper in my office, Lisa, that says notes to self. Anyway, I'll, and things that I do that don't turn out so well, I go right on that pad. Remember, don't do this again. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it, right. I mean, I mean, nothing. I mean, you're never a failure if you learn from your mistake right. 
and you know, don't do it again or, or keep redoing it. Right. 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 Sometimes if you make a mistake, at least make it in a different way. Exactly. <laughs> fresh. exactly. You know, chalk it up as a mistake and then just, just keep and, moving. And don't beat yourself up. No. Write it on that pad of paper, let it go no. and say, next time I'll do it better. Yep. That's all you can do. Lisa, it has been wonderful having you here. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your time with all of our listeners. And Lisa is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 